How y'all doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. I'm great. It's too late. Don't worry. I brought my own encouragement. I love you too. Uh, anybody ever tried to preach in 20 minutes? So get your big buckets out because I am going to go. We got somewhere to go. I, uh, I am extremely encouraged in life these days. And usually I'm in a good mood and it's getting better and better. So I want to, and I'm not hyping you up, but I am here, I believe, I want to tell you what I'm believing for so that you can agree if you want to. And uh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I, I believe that there's an impartation of peace. I want you to have more peace than you've ever known in your life. I'm convinced that it's the Prince of Peace that crushes Satan under our feet. And sometimes our warfare doesn't work because we don't know how to just rest. And if you want to get better at defeating demons and raising the dead and watching your families and your lives transformed, I think peace is... You know, this, Paul said it's a third of the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy. And peace is not, I used to smoke a lot of weed before I knew the Lord. And that's not peace. I'm not making fun of you if you smoke weed. I'm, I'm saying there, that's the world's version of chill. You know, what's the bare necessities? What's that song? bear. I don't know why that popped in my head, but that's not what I'm talking about. <clears throat> it's probably the effects of all the weed. <laughs> I'm talking about peace where you can actually experience chaos around you and function the way that you want to. You don't need circumstances to line up to act like Jesus. You know, he knows what it's like to have all of his closest friends abandon him, not believe in him. And they're the guys that are supposed to be in charge of the world when he leaves. <laughs> and he's not freaking out. That's the kind of peace I'm talking about. So all the stuff that you're waiting for, for when you will relax, I'm telling you, the kingdom doesn't work that way. God puts peace inside of you before the circumstances change. It grows internally and then it manifests itself outside of you. And there is a way I'm, I'm experiencing, I'm walking in more peace than I've ever known in my life and life is getting harder than it's ever gotten before. So this morning, Jason and uh, Pastor Matthew, you guys preached my message, uh, union and, and generosity. I saw an image in my mind's eye. If any of you have ever heard a language of, of seeing visions or... Um, Sometimes people will literally see, with your eyes open, you'll see in the real world, like you're watching a movie. Um, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about if I say, picture a pink elephant in your mind. So in that place in my mind, in worship, I was just telling the Lord I love him, how grateful I am for everything he's ever done for me, and all the times he saved me, that I didn't know he saved me, and 
how perfect his will is for my life and how perfect his leadership is on my life, how consistently faithful he is, how his love makes me confident. It gives me um, everything that I need. And that's all I'm thinking about. And while I'm thinking those things, I see a picture of myself sitting at a poker table playing Texas Hold'em. And in the vision... I took all of my chips and I said, so we smoke weed and we play poker here at this church. (laughs) Jeez. I'm telling you, I do believe one of the calls of my life is to offend religion. And I'm just doing a good job. (laughs) I have not smoked weed since I gave my life to Jesus. And even if I had, I'm still the righteousness of God. So I'm playing poker. I see my hands grab a pile. I got a big pile of chips. And I said, I'm all in again. And I shoved them into the center of the plate. And it felt really good, honestly. To Some of you don't know what it's like to do that with God. And you need to. I'm telling you, you need to find out what happens when you let go of all safety nets and say, Jesus, you're my everything. You need to know what it feels like because it is, it's phenomenal. It's why I don't do drugs anymore. I have found something that satisfies my soul. I have found a relationship, a hand-in-hand relationship that keeps me full, keeps me excited. I get out of bed eager to see what I get to do today. And it's because I'm all in. And if you keep your chips, if you keep your safety net, you don't know what it feels like to really let Jesus be your everything. And so if that's you, I actually want you to stand right now because I believe that God is calling our church to go all in again. It's in, your, it's in businesses, it's in healing the sick, it's in relationships you want to trust again. You know between you and your own relationship with Jesus what it means to go all in. <clears throat> Father, in Jesus' name, this is the rest of the vision. Good job standing up. I shoved it all in the middle. I said, I'm all in. I got the, this is awesome. I love this ride with Jesus. I love the roller coasters with God. And I picked my head up at the table and God was the dealer. And he was also every other player at the table. And it means even if I lose, I win. Listen, you cannot lose giving Jesus your everything by faith. It doesn't matter how it turns out. You are walking by faith with your father and he is thrilled to have this relationship with you. So right now in Jesus name, I release a gift of faith to go all in. The confidence that says the circumstances don't matter. The outcome doesn't even matter. It's the thrill of knowing that you are our everything, Jesus. We want to know you by experience. I'm tired of reading about you. I want to see you. Where is the God of Elijah? I want to see the water part. (laughs) Lord, I thank you for your miracle power. There's supernatural to be released over everyone in this room that's standing, everyone online. Lord, that there would be a fresh grace of the supernatural released over your finances, over the gifts of the spirit in your life, over your relationships. (laughs) over how you pray for your family members. In Jesus' name, amen.
You're the church. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world, is Matthew 5. You make life better for everyone around you. It tastes better. You also preserve and sustain the city that you live in. If you're righteous, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, your faith actually produces a covering for your children. It's the effect of your personhood, not your performance. You need to understand you waking up in the morning in Grand Rapids has an effect on this city. You are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Matthew 16, Jesus says, I will build my church. And I also say to you, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will build my church, says the Lord. You are his building. You are his workmanship. You are his idea. You are his craftsmanship. You're his masterpiece, Ephesians says. You're his life's work. He's not practicing on you. You're the culmination of his perfection. I don't know what I said. It's a good word. You're not a trial run. You're not the like, this isn't his first rodeo with you. Do you understand he's transformed thousands, millions of lives? radically transformed in glory. He's not like new at this with you. He's not surprised by the stuff you carry. He's really, really good at his job. And he has zero degree of insecurity in his ability to bless you, to mark you, to walk with you, to sustain you, to lead you, to grow you, to transform you. And he will build his church. I don't know why we pick up so much responsibility for our growth. Listen, I'm his church. He's going to build it. I don't build me. You know how foolish it would be to look at a railing? Any builders? I know there's some builders in the house. You look at the railing and tell it to build itself. (laughs) It's so stupid. You're not cut right. The things you're doing at your house. What are the columns? I'm just picturing... John outside his house, like, it's not even, get better, paint yourself. But that's how the church lives. He will build his church. First Peter two says, come four verse five says, coming to him as to living, as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are living stones being built as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. You are as responsible for where you get put as the railing is for how it gets installed. It's going to get worse. I... Some of you don't want to hear this, and I don't care. Ephesians 1, 18 through 23. I'm going to skip down. I'm sorry for you guys in the back if this is difficult for you. 
I think it's probably verse 23. He put all things under his feet, speaking of Christ, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. His body is the fullness of him. You and I are the fullness of him. He's not full without us. I actually believe the gospel is so powerful. I'm not going to teach on this too much, so I don't email me if you want, but I believe that we have been invited into the Trinity. I, I honestly don't understand how this works, but we've been grafted in. We're actually one. When Paul calls, now we're not, we're not divine as in we're created. I'm, I'm created. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is not a created being. I'm created. But you and I as created sons and daughter have been brought into union with God in the way that a husband and a wife are made one. Paul says marriage is a picture of Christ in the church. It's a mystery. That's how one you are with him. Now, you're not becoming one with him, which I think is what most of us think. We're becoming righteous. We're becoming clean. We're becoming holy. We're becoming one. And someday in the great by and by when I die, then I'll really understand it, which is, there's truth to that. We see in a, glim, in a glass dimly, but the reality is we have been made one with him now. We have been made righteous now. It's really good news. I'm the fullness of him who fills all in all, and so are you. And he who is before all things, and in him all things consist, and he is the head of the body, the church, the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence, as Colossians 1. He is before all things, and in him all things consist, and he is the head of the body, the church. He's the head of the body. I'm going to talk about union, which was what Pastor Jason brought up in communion. And my vision, what I believe that I see, I, I got saved at, uh, I was 18 years old. I got born again when I was 18 years old. Um, and I feasted in the word of God, partly because God loved me enough to send me to jail for a year. And I needed it at the time I needed to be separated from my life that I knew the community I was a part of the people I ran with. I don't think that I would have really set myself apart and pursued the Lord like I had, if he hadn't allowed me to be judged and, and uh, put in jail. And so in jail, there's nothing to do uh, except you, they turn on VH1 at six o'clock in the morning and it's the exact same six songs every day every day at six in the morning. And if you go over and turn it off, or if you say, hey guys, why don't we not watch this one day this week? You can get in a lot of fights and they're passionate about their VH1 in there. And uh, 
So I would just, I would just do push-ups, and, uh, and then I would read my Bible, and I would eat terrible food. And that's all I did for like eight months. And I read the Bible, and I remember reading John 17. I'm going to read this. I think partly my life was I was raised in church and I was so offended at the church when I got born again because my life was hell and I was raised around church. And when I got born again, it was really easy for me to point at all of the people that were connected to my family and say, well, why didn't you? And how come they? And I was always alone. And nobody ever, no dad ever stepped into my life and fathered me. And I was just pissed but I was pissed before I was saved. That was, I brought that with me into the kingdom. And uh, I was bitter, judgmental, hypercritical, and just mad. And, uh, but I would read this verse, John 17, verse 20 says, Jesus is praying to his father. And he says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they may be one as you father are in me and I in you that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. And this is Jesus's prayer. If you wanna know what does he really care about, it's what he talks to his father about in secret. He really, really wants unity, oneness. You know, as a father, we have, my wife and I, my beautiful, amazing Thea, loves attention. We have four kids, and I hate when my kids fight. I hate it. I don't hate them ever. I hate when they fight. And uh, I love when they play together, when they get along. I love when they share. I love when they sacrifice for each other. I love when they go out of their way to give what they want to the other sibling. And I know that they want it. I know it's the thing they really want for themselves and I watch them give it up, usually for the younger one because the younger one's immature. And, uh, and I, I'm telling you, I, I remember all of it. I, I don't say anything usually in the moment. Sometimes I'll say, good job, proud of you. But I catalog it and I go, you're about to get something really good. Just wait. I don't know what it is, but my heart of reward, of blessing, of that is what we're building. What you just did right there, if you can do it with your siblings, you can do it with anybody. <laughs> and so this heart of unity, I called every church in Traverse City is where I got saved. I called 111 churches. I was 18 years old and I called every church I could find in my city. And I said, this is what I think God wants. And I was so naive. I thought the passion and zeal of an 18 year old kid would change the city. And uh, none of them called me back. Most of them hung up on me. 
And uh, my heart just broke, honestly. Like, as a new believer, I'm on fire. Like, and my heart just broke that I just felt like people didn't see what God saw. And so we ended up having these gatherings and every church shut it down and we still had dozens of kids show up. I had no idea. They were, I think we had 50 to 100 kids in one room. And it was all kids. <laughs> it was all 18 to like 25 year olds showed up and they're like, what are we doing? I said, I don't know. I just want, I know God wants his family together. Why don't we pray or worship or something? And it was my first like attempt at Let's do this thing, you know? Like, I got a kingdom, dude. I, God gave me some stuff. And he wants to do some stuff in the earth. And uh, and then I was talking to a friend last week. I had breakfast with him. And he's just going through a hard season in life. And he started to open up about his experience, kind of coming back to the Lord and visiting churches and his experience was all these places that he visited was, it was kind of judgmental and, you know, everybody, everybody just kind of pushed him off, you know, and that kind of experience. And I, I said, man, I'm really sorry that you felt like that. I said, can I be honest with you? <laughs> like, yeah. I said, I, I've been in the church for like 15 years now and the church has hurt me and my family more than anyone else. Like more pain, more loss, more brokenheartedness than I've ever experienced anywhere else. I really hope this is the Lord right now because I was not intending to go here. All you intercessors, please pray. <laughs> I said, uh, I said, more, more hurt than I've ever experienced anywhere else. But to be honest with you, I might be wrong, but you can, you can judge. You should judge me. Jesus said, judge trees by their fruit. I said, I have zero, I don't have bitterness in me. Like I'm, I really love the people that have hurt me and my family. I really, really do love them. And it starts praying for them because Jesus said to and then it transforms into, I actually really just want only good things for them. And if, as far as I know, there isn't one person on the planet that if they walked through that back door right now, I would feel insecure or weird or like, oh no. You know what I mean? Like that's peace. That type of peace. I'm good on my end. I love, I love them. I bless them. Um, but it's, it's been a very conscious decision to live like that. It's not accidental. It's not, I didn't trip, we didn't, my wife and I didn't trip into that. Like we give money to people that hurt us. <laughs> I had a guy in my office at work who's, um, They did a lot of things to me in business and it was really, really expensive. And I thought, 
I was mad. I mean, I would daydream about violence. And uh, do you understand that pastors are human beings? I'm not telling you these stories to minimize who I am as a person. I'm telling you these stories to let you know this is real. And walking with Jesus means you're human. You don't stop being a human being. So I, I had a lot of violent tendencies that I thought about for a while. But I kept praying for these people. And, and I felt the Lord challenge me. They asked for a meeting. And in the meeting, they, they not only brought... You know, they didn't come to reconcile. They came with a list of more things that they felt like I owed them. And they had already, from my perspective, stolen hundreds of thousands of dollars from me. And so then they started the conversation with how I owed them more. And I realized in the moment, oh, something happened. My heart's different. Because I didn't, the violent thing didn't even come into my mind. It was gone. It was like, oh, Okay, well, we can talk through whatever it is that you guys feel like you need to talk through. And at the end of the meeting, I told him, I said, the Lord told me that there were three ways I could live. I could live naturally, which is, and I told him about my violent daydreams. I'm honest with him. (laughs) I said, I could live naturally. This is what I want to do. And I said, where I've been settled at lately is I could live, I could live neutral, which is like pray for you and bless you. You know, you know what I mean? Like, bless you. Hope I never see you again. I said, but I feel like, I feel like Jesus is saying there's a Jesus way where I actually bless you. Like I'm talking supernatural unity, union with God. Do you understand for you to break union with the body of Christ, you have to violate your union with the head. I don't, I don't, we don't fight for unity in the church because I need people. I don't need any of you. I want lots of people. I love you. I want to walk with people. I want to see the world changed with people. I want connection and unity and I want to watch your families get blessed and wildly blessed. I want that more than anything. I don't need it at all. But I do need to walk in hump, human, in humble love towards you if I don't want to break my connection to the head. And I'm not willing to let that thing get dirty. So I will fight aggressively in the spirit to keep connection with Jesus. And most of the time it's manifesting how I treat people. So in that meeting, we ended up writing them checks. The people that I know owe me money, I gave them more. And it, I can show you the text thread. It, it, it opened up a love feast. A love feast that heaven's going to be fun for me because I got lots of friends up there. Even if we're not walking together, that's okay. I'm like passionately in love with his church. And so I want to take five more minutes. Because I think that Can I, I want to read this Charles Spurgeon thing to you about the church. Now I'm going to read it at the end. I'm telling you, Matthew 18 is 
It's what we need, I think, to move forward and build together. Um, Eric Hoffer said, in times of change, learners inherit the earth while the learned find themselves beautifully equipped to deal with a world that no longer exists. In times of change, learners inherit the earth while the learned find themselves beautifully equipped to deal with a world that no longer exists. I believe that the church right now is in a massive state of transition. I believe it here in our our local body, but globally, I think that there's actually blueprints being released to the church for how to build in health and wholeness like we've never seen before. I think that there's going to be completely new models for how the church in covenant love walks hand in hand with one another and with their creator. And I'm really excited to inherit these blueprints. I'm starting to see it in my secret place where I've got these daydreams in my heart that I am thrilled about where I go, that would be a blast because the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy. And the Lord wants to build with his energy, with his strength. And so in times of great transition, you need to understand that offenses are going to run wild. And I, I think part of this message, the church has heard it through the eyes of like the big bad devil is going to come and make the church hate itself. Am I right? Like that's kind of where we hear it from. I don't know that I, I mean, I know that that's real. The devil's real. He wants to kill you. He hates you more than anything else on the planet. But Jesus is my king and he's given us complete victory. And if I just stare at him, all he does is lead us in triumph. So part of me thinks that this time of transition, these seasons of transition is going to come because we all have ideas of how stuff works, how it should work, what we should do. And in order for us to walk in covenant love with one another, we're going to need to get really good at confrontation, at direct conversation. And the, the idea is that Jesus wants to build a church that so models unity that the world looks in wonder and awe and can't figure out why are we together? That's what God's building. How do they love each other like that? They're different political spectrums. They're different economic spectrums. They're different historical backgrounds. They come from different nations and they actually really, really love each other. Like sacrificially pour out their lives for the betterment of someone that might disagree with them. That's what God is building. I'm just going to tell you to go read Matthew 18. This, our community is, we've been around these conversations enough, but I, I want you to know that you are going to have to have direct conversations. You are going to have to risk it all and put it all on the middle of the table and risk your fear of rejection, your fear of failure, your fear of being judged, your, whatever. I've got all of these. I'm not putting it on you. I've got them too. I want everybody to like me and I want to be your favorite. And uh, that's normal. That's human existence. But I'm willing to risk it for our relationship. Like I actually love you. I'm not interested in being around you until we're not around each other. (laughs) I know some of you know the conversations. You can already feel it in your head. The Holy Spirit's probably been talking to you about it for weeks. 
you have to have those conversations. If you want to be a part of what God's building. If you don't, that's on you. I did my part. Charles Spurgeon said this about his church, about Christ's church, and then I'm done. This is from 1888, which is not very old. It's cool to me, though. Before the first star was kindled, before the first living creature began to sing the praise of its creator, he loved his church with an everlasting love. He spied her in the glass of predestination, pictured her by his divine foreknowledge, and loved her with all his heart. And it was for this cause that he left his father and became one with her, that he might redeem her. It was for this cause that he went with her through all this veil of tears, discharged her debts, and bore her sins in his own body on the tree. For her sake, he slept in the tomb, and with the same love that brought him down, he has gone up again. And with the same heart beating true to the same blessed betrothment, he has gone into the glory, waiting for the marriage day when he shall come again to receive his perfected spouse, who shall have made herself ready by his grace. Never for a moment, whether as God overall, blessed forever, or as God and man in one divine person, or as dead and buried, or as risen and ascended, never has he changed in the love he bears to his children, to his chosen. There is a revelation of the love of the church that we need right now. I want to build a community. I want to be a part of a community in Grand Rapids that fights for unity. I love resurrection life. I love the point. I love Grand Rapids first. I love the Baptist church that my friends go to. Like there are, I'm not talking about the building and organization. There are actually human beings. Some of you, when you guys talk about Can I just be real right now? When you guys come and you say Res Life is this big mansion church and I get lost there and so I'm coming here to a real Holy Ghost church. I have people at Res Life that I love. That have saved my life. Don't say that stuff to me. Like, have an opinion. You're free. Just don't say it to me. I love them. There, there are, there's a man at Resurrection Life that I owe my life to. The relationship I have with my children, I owe to that man. I'm not talking about the buildings or some like far away idea of that church. Like they're human beings. I love them. I fight for it. I text them. There are people I, I try to regularly stay in touch with. And you should do that too. You should do it here. You should do it there. You should do it with friends in Texas or Guatemala or wherever you are. Fight for the unity of the spirit. He is worth it. So Father, I thank you for your church. I thank you for her beauty. I thank you for her glory. Jesus, you said that the same glory that the Father gave to you, you gave your church. And I refuse to discredit that which carries your glory. Lord, I ask that you would forgive us. 
that you would forgive me, God, for any area of arrogance, of thinking that I got it right and they got it wrong, Lord, that there would be a grace released in this time for a supernatural unity, that the world would know that you really did send your son. In Jesus' name, amen.